Hope you've enjoyed the start of our series on the story of David as we're going through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And so uh, we are so excited uh, to have uh, Mike Sasaki, one of our elders, come on up. Why don't we go ahead and welcome Mike up and we'll pray for Mike. Woo! Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Mike and thank you that uh, he's... Uh, been called to bring the word of God to us this morning. We pray that you would help us as your audience, Lord, that we would be able to have open hearts so that the word that would come with power of the Holy Spirit would come and change us. Lord, we just say thank you so much for letting us be here, be able to listen to your word. We give you full permission now, Lord Jesus, to come and transform us, to meet us where we're at. We thank you for Mike. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Max. All right. So we had a really great introduction to the story of David last week. All right, we talked about uh, David and Goliath, about slaying giants. Or for some of you people that uh, resonate with the little geeky side, the identifying the positive deviant. <laughs> that was, that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool, right? Anyway, um... But today what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at David's life from a, a different angle. We're going to take a look at his friends. So you're familiar with the quote, a man is known by the company that he keeps. So that's another way of, again, seeing what a person's character is by looking at his friends. And so, so we're going to look at David's friends. And so who was David's dear friend? It was Jonathan. And it's, Jonathan wasn't just any old guy. He was uh, King Saul's son. And so the story of David and Jonathan starts in 1 Samuel 18, where Jonathan first meets David. Then we, it, the meat of the relationship is shown in chapters 19 and 20, and then it actually continues on through the rest of uh, 1 Samuel. And even into 2 Samuel, after Jonathan passes away, you still see that, that tie of friendship because David reaches out to Jonathan's son after Jonathan had passed away. And you can see him extending his care, and that, that friendship is still there as he takes care of Jonathan's son. But why is friendship uh, so important? So when I was preparing for today's message, there's a lot of resources that talked about you know, their friendship, you know, kind of like the principles of godly friendship, or you know, these are the things that you want to take away from uh, David and Jonathan's friendship. But like Dave uh, likes to say, it's like, it's all about the why. So why is friendship so important? You know, why do we care? Why, is it just because we want to know what good friends look like? You know, no, it's actually because Jesus is our friend and he calls us his friends. And he commands us to love each other. So if you look at John 15, uh, verses 12 to 17, it says, Jesus says this to us. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. 
This is my command, love one another. So Jesus commands us to love one another. I'm, I know we've heard that. That's part of our, you know, who we are as KCF, loving God, loving others. But how do we do that? And then it's really through our friendships with each other. And godly friendships, as we'll see with David and Jonathan, are really the basis for authentic community. And that's the title of today's message, The Journey to Authentic Community. And um, I don't know if you've been around, that phrase might be, you might have heard that before, maybe it's like a little overused, uh, but I think it really defines kind of what we're striving for as a body of Christ. You know, and so if you kind of strip away some of the, the trendiness of that phrase, it really talks about, you know, that is what we're searching for. We're searching for authentic community. And I'm going to actually borrow from Chip Ingram. Uh, he runs a website called Living on the Edge. He did, did a sermon series on um, authentic community. He did a, a little series also on David and Jonathan. But Chip kind of distilled it down and he says, authentic community is the real you meeting real needs, at the, for the right reason in the right way. And when you think about that, I mean, each of those kind of speaks to you know, what it is to be authentic. Right? It's not just so that you're open or you're sharing, but it is you, you know, not any kind of a pretense, but you're there meeting needs. So there's a reason for what you're doing. And the reason why you're meeting needs isn't because you know, for selfish reasons, but it really is because God's commanding you to meet those needs. And then in the right way. So again, it's not just because you want to be you know, recognized for what you're doing, but it is because you're loving you know, each other. And so that's kind of what we're talking about. It's not a warm, fuzzy, you know, nice, comfortable group, but really it is about forming deep relationships and friendships and getting involved into people's lives and meeting needs. And so that really is a way to obey what Jesus is commanding us to do, and that is to love one another, and that's through authentic community. And so when we talk about loving one another, what does that look like? And so if we go back to the scripture, John, um, Jesus is saying, there's no greater love, love, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Now when I have read that in the past, I've always kind of looked at that as, Jesus is saying, hey, this is how much I love you. I'm going to lay down my life for you. Okay, but really, he's just telling us that that is the kind of love that we need to have for one another. Now, it seems a little inaccessible to me when you think about that because on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, we don't necessarily have that opportunity of dying for our friends. But if you served in the military or, or know someone who has, they maybe experienced that, where somebody has laid down their life for them, or they are willing to lay down their life for their friend. Uh, if maybe if you donated an organ, or know someone that has, that's another thing where it's a you know, huge step where you're making a sacrifice for a friend. But again, even those situations are a little far removed from what we experience in day to day, and which is why I think the Bible has the story of David and Jonathan because that is a, you know, kind of really shows us on a day-to-day, -day, just true-to-life situation, you know, what it means to have that godly relationship and how to enter into authentic community. 
So take a moment and think about the friends in your life. And not, not your Facebook friends, but your, your true circle of friends. And say, how did you meet? You know, is it through, was it school? And some people have friends from elementary school, you know, but, or is it work? You know, is that who your current group of friends are? Is it people that you work with? Or is it your family? You know, some people, their closest friends really are their family. And how did you become friends? When you think about it, is it do you have similar interests? Or did you have shared experiences? Or did you go through like a challenge together? You know, um, one of, I was actually served on Max's campaign and you know, people say because it's such an intense period of time, you really develop great friendships through that. And you know, I, that is true. That is true. Again, shared kind of challenges will will develop friendships. Now, think about these questions as we go through today's message. These are a little bit a little bit harder. Like, would you lay down your life for any of your friends? And now, don't don't answer because. <laughs> You know, we don't want to, I mean, great if you can say yes, but I mean, but think about this. And then, when did you last make a close friend? When's the last time that you made a really close friend? And do you have any godly friendships? You know, a lot of times when you think about your friends, your buddies, or your, your group of girls that you hang out with, you know, are they really godly friendships? Are they really godly relationships? But anyway, think about that as we go through this. So we say, how do we make true friends like David and Jonathan and develop authentic community? And um, it's interesting because I've heard people say that when you, when you have a message or you're preparing for something, you know, God uses that not only as a message for the church, but as a way of you know, really highlighting areas that you need to improve on yourself. Now, I don't speak often. I don't really have a wide range of being able to say that's true or not, but for this one, absolutely true. So this is really tough for me, and there's a lot of things that, you know, it, it was like, wow, God's convicted me and saying, yeah, this is something that an area that I need to work on. So I do appreciate, again, you know, the opportunity to share this. And so the journey to authentic community, I'm going to, again, base this on Chip Ingram, Living on the Edge. If you want to uh, kind of take a look at that uh, and you're interested, he has some good, good uh, messages there. Chip actually says there are seven essentials to authentic community. But as I was going through it, it's just like, whoa, I mean, four is fine for today. <laughs> Sorry, but again, if you want to go look, you're more than welcome to. But this is a journey, and that's part of, part of the reason. This is a journey. And so if, if we can even get to these four, that's going to be huge, right? And so um, just as you know, there are there's a bunch more, but these four we're going to focus on today. And so step one in our journey is to be aware. And what does that mean? So God orchestrates opportunities for friendships, and, but we need to be aware that they exist. So let's look at how Jonathan met David. In 1 Samuel 18, chapter 1, if you want to take out your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel. And Bibles on the phone is okay. I mean, that's what we use. Um, th thanks, Pastor Max, for allowing that. <laughs> but 1 Samuel 18, 1, it's also on the screen. It says, after David finished talking to Saul, 
he met Jonathan, the king's son. And there was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. Now, why this is interesting is there's actually lots of reasons why Jonathan wouldn't want to be friends with David, nor David friends with Jonathan. I mean, they came from two different social economic backgrounds. Jonathan is basically Saul's son. He's a prince, next in line for the throne. David, shepherd boy. In fact, he is the youngest of a whole clan. And even if you look back when we first meet David, you know, Samuel comes out to Jesse, David's dad, and goes, bring me your sons. I want to see your sons. And so um, Jesse goes, here's my son. And Samuel's like, no, here's your son. No, here's no one. No. And then, you know, he goes, okay, well, I showed you all of my sons. And then Samuel goes, is there anybody else? And then, only then, does Jesse go, oh, yeah, yeah, my youngest son. He's out in the field with the sheep. You know, I mean, so his dad didn't even think very highly of him. You know, but what we see again is uh, Samuel then sees David, gives God's anointing, and says, hey, you are going to be the future king of Israel. Again, shepherd boy. But as we know, and we found out last week, what happens after that? He goes and he defeats Goliath. And so now he becomes a national hero. So another reason why I think they would be unlikely friends, right? Because then all of a sudden, not Jonathan, but David is this national hero beloved by everyone. So they're rivals, really. If you look at it, they're rivals. Because Jonathan is the prince. David is the popular hero. And then Jonathan's dad, Saul, you know, he really didn't care for David. I mean, he had kind of a mixed relationship. He wanted him as a harpist, but then he was thinking about why people loved him so much, and, you know, he didn't like him. So again, there's all of these situations that make Jonathan and David's friendship improbable. But they were both aware and open to that opportunity, and what did they discover? They discovered an immediate bond. There's another... Um, Version that says, God knitted their hearts together on their first meeting. And so when you think about that, what are the things that prevent us from being aware of the situation that God orchestrates? In the, your current group of people that you know, there might be someone there that God's prompting you to develop a closer relationship with. How often do we miss opportunities to develop friendships with people because of certain prejudices? You know, and then silly things. Like, oh, you know, that person is a Democrat or, or a Republican, you know, or a Republican. <laughs> or they graduated from a certain high school. Seems silly, but I know that's out there. <clears throat> or maybe, you know, that person grew up on the mainland. Or maybe that person is, you know, grew up here and speaks pidgin as their native tongue. I mean, those are the things that maybe prevent us from saying we want to get to know them better. Be aware. For example, uh, my best friend and I actually started off being very unaware of each other. On the surface, there were things, again, silly things, that kept us from starting a friendship. You know, I'm, I'm a public school grad. You know, um, my friend is a private school grad. I thought my friend was a little too outgoing, kind of high maintenance. You know, my friend thought I was super shy and quiet. You know, obviously, a uh, misunderstanding there. <coughs> but, um, oh, and then I thought my friend was too young, not going to have anything in common. My friend thought too old. There is no reason why, you know, we would want to bridge that gap. Uh, but God orchestrated 
some unique situations in our lives to kind of force us to get past all of that silliness. And on um, what we actually found out when we finally got past that is we had a lot in common. So much so that nine months after our first date, Carrie and I got married. <laughs> so again, but what if we had let those things keep us from being aware of each other, then we would not be married today. But thank you, God, for <laughs> getting us past that. But basically what we're saying is be aware. I'm not saying that you're going to meet your future spouse, but, and especially for those of you who are married, <clears throat> but be aware. There's silly things that, can get, that prevent us from being aware of the relationships that God is placing in your life. The second step towards uh, authentic community is being intentional. And then for me, again, we said this is a, again, convicting and a learning uh, experience preparing for this message. So this is really the hardest step because it requires action. It requires you to take action. It requires commitment and it requires time. And I know everyone is busy. Everyone has very little time. And to be intentional, to grow a friendship, it takes a lot of time. Jonathan intentionally pursued his friendship with David. And he even made a vow, a friendship vow. So we look back in 1 Samuel 18.3. It says, Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. So see, he, again, he's modeling what Christ, is, right, Christ commanded us to do. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. And that seems a little odd, but Jonathan's robe, tunic, sword, bow, and belt were all elements of his power. Remember, he was a prince, right? So these are all things that kind of represented or he had because of his position of power. And he was putting all of those aside to say, David, this is how important my friendship is for you. I'm, I'm stripping away all of the things that I, I am you know, as a prince, but I'm saying, you're, you're important to me. I want to pursue that friendship. And so have you ever told someone specifically that, hey, I want to be your friend, or I want to get to know you, you know, more? Have you ever made a solemn pact? And we're not talking about like pinky swears, right? Have you ever made a solemn pact with somebody saying, you and I are going to be friends? Being intentional is really the only way that you're going to be able to develop deeper relationships. You can't love one another without being intentional. And one of the uh, good examples of this is Jim Miyashiro, who you're going to see speak some point, two weeks, two weeks from now. Jimmy Miyashiro, Jim, sorry, Jim Miyashiro. <coughs> he does an excellent job of being intentional. And I really appreciate it because I don't think we would have the friendship that we have today if it wasn't for him being intentional. When, what he does is he would schedule time, like schedule time for lunch. He would call me up and say, hey, you're free for lunch on this day. And I'm like, oh, um, you, you know, for what? And, oh, you know, we just want to get together. I'm like, oh, okay. And so, but he would do that and he would do that on a regular basis. And um, I always left that our lunches, you know, feeling either encouraged about what, you know, because we would share what's going on e in each other's lives. So I would feel encouraged or I would feel challenged because maybe he was saying, hey, this is what God's telling me to do. 
I mean, he went on, uh, I don't know if he's going to well, appreciate me sharing this, but he went on a Amazon.com ban because he had some, uh, you can talk to him about that. And I was just like, wow, you know, I, 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 I see what he's trying to do. I understand that. And, you know, we attempted, I actually supported him on that for a little while. Um, <laughs> for a little while, but you can talk to him about that. Or you can talk to me about that. Um, <clears throat> but again, I really appreciated those types of those types of encounters. You know, and he did it because he understood the value of godly friendships. He didn't do it because it was fun to hang out. I mean, I hope he had fun, <laughs> but uh, he did it really because he understood what you know that it was important to to develop godly friendships, to cultivate godly friendships. And I'm not like Jim, and um, what I, I, I don't reach out intentionally, uh, and I, again, I feel convicted about that. My excuse has always been, I, I want things to happen organically. You know, I kind of, I don't want to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to go meet with this person, and then I'm going to meet with this person. I always feel like, okay, if something goes, then great, I'm going to go, go with the flow and see, how, you know, see where it takes us. But truthfully, you're not going to drift into authentic community. Right? Nor will it just happen. So that idea in my mind, or that excuse, it really is a lie from the enemy. And I do need to be like Jim and be intentional about who I want as friends, especially when you have limited amount of time. Right? You don't just want to end up spending time with somebody who maybe that's not who God wants you to spend time with. Right? And so you do need to be intentional with who you want to pursue as um, your friend. And it's uncomfortable, because I don't think that that's the way, I mean, some of you are wired like that, but for me, it's uncomfortable, and it seems a little weird, quite honestly, but really, being intentional is the only way that you're going to be able to develop your godly friendships. Step three, we have be honest. Okay, now, the problem with bullet points in a sermon message makes it easy for you to fill out the notes, makes it easy for you to remember, but it also kind of makes it seem like you should be able to take this next week, implement it, and go check, okay, I'm going to be aware, I'm going to be intentional, I'm going to be honest, but truthfully, this is a process. And this is why I really wanted to say this is a journey. This is also why I said I want to limit it to four points because this is a long journey. And so when we talk about being honest, um, you need to be intentional and you need to have that relationship develop. You need to have that trust before you really can be 100% honest. And so, yes, your hearts can be instantly knit together. You know, and you can have that and you can say, God, God's this confirmation that God wants us to be together. But it's still going to take time to develop that trust in order for you to be 100% honest with your friends. And then being honest is not about pointing out what's wrong with the other person. Say, hey, God told me that you're doing this wrong. And, uh, you know, or it's not about burying your soul and sharing your deepest secrets with them. Again, sometimes this may happen, but it really isn't like, hey, this is my history. And they're going to be like, whoa, whoa, okay. You know, but that trust needs to be there before you can have that honesty. If you don't have that, it can be a little bit ugly. I don't know if you've had that experience, but I, I unfortunately have where, you know, when you share something in 
being honest or what you think is being honest, it actually hurts the relationship. And that's because you haven't had that time to develop that trust. <clears throat> and so it needs to be a relationship of trust and there needs to be a heart of love for that other person before you can really share 100% uh, honesty. And honesty in a godly friendship is about having the courage to be 100% honest with your friend when God asks you to be and not backing away because the situation makes you uncomfortable. And it's not always correction. It can be a confession. It can, be, it can show up in many different ways. It can be encouragement. But let's go back to David and Jonathan's story. So Saul wants to kill David. All right? So we already knew that Saul kind of had issues with David. Now he outright wants to kill him. And we're not talking like David thinks Saul wants to kill him. He actually tried. Right? He throws a spear at David. You know, and then he even tells his, his people, including Jonathan, hey, any of you see David, I want him dead. Right? So there's no denying that Saul wants him dead. But what does Jonathan do? Again, David is his, his friend, his close friend. So he goes and he petitions his dad and says, Dad, you know, I think you're walking in sin. Look at all the things that David has done. You know, David has God's blessing. Saul looks at that and goes, you know, son, you're right. I am going to make a solemn oath to you that I will not kill David. I swear that David is going to be okay. But we see after that, an evil spirit comes over Saul and he still tries to you know, kill David. Again, he hurls another spear at him. And then David is like, well, okay, this you know, hasn't been resolved and he, he's on the run. So we'll join them in 1 Samuel chapter. 20, verse 1 and 3. <clears throat> it says, Now David fled from Naioth in Ramah and found Jonathan. What have I done? He exclaimed. What is my crime? How have I offended your father that he is so determined to kill me? Jonathan is taken aback by this brutal honesty and said, That is not true. <clears throat> you are not going to die. He, my dad, always tells me everything he's going to do, even in the little things. I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. Remember, I mean, Saul did tell Jonathan before, you know, if you see David, I want to kill him. So he's saying. And plus, Jonathan knows that his dad made an oath. He swore to him that he's not going to kill David. But then David took an oath before Jonathan and said, your father knows perfectly well about our friendship, so he has said to himself, I won't tell Jonathan, why should I hurt him? But I swear to you that I am only a step away from death. I swear by, it, the, by the Lord and by your own soul. So what B David is basically now telling Jonathan, is he's saying, Jonathan, sorry to tell you this, but your relationship with your dad isn't what you think it is. Okay? And that be very painful, right? Because look at what Jonathan is thinking. And then he is also in him, in David telling him that you know his life is still endangered, saying that Jonathan, even your your though your dad swore to you that he's not gonna kill me, he's broken that promise to you. Right? And then that also has to be something that could be very hurtful if somebody tells you that about someone that you trust. And Jonathan obviously trusted his dad. But if they didn't have that close friendship, what could Jonathan have done? He could have rejected that and said, you know, David, you know what? You are a crazy man. 
I think this is all in your head. I know my dad. I know what my dad told me. So you are wrong. But, <clears throat> or they could have actually ruined David and, and Jonathan's friendship, right? Because if you have that kind of an accusation, then it's almost like Jonathan has to pick sides, right? Does he pick David or does he pick his dad? Right? And are, are you going to pick a friend or are you going to side with your family, right? But if you look at what happened, it didn't wreck their friendship. In fact, the results of, of David's honesty and in a godly relationship, Jonathan actually maintained his relationship with his father. He continues on and he's still, you know, um, serving by his father's side throughout the book of Samuel. He actually kept Saul from sinning. Because, I mean, if Saul went ahead and actually killed David, that would be a sin. But, you know, again, dishonesty kept, uh, allowed Jonathan to keep his dad from sinning. David ended up escaping with his life. And then David and Jonathan still maintained their friendship. You know, and so you look at that, again, the results of that honesty within a godly relationship, you see it building up everybody that's involved, right? It's not a tearing down, it's not a this or that, but it, it's a, it is a true win-win where everybody ends up um, walking where God wants them to walk. Now, I was looking at my own life to say, okay, what's an example of where I experienced this? And again, convicted because, you know, I don't have an example. <laughs> it's sad. I mean, okay, I, I, I am honest with my wife and she's, honest with me and so that is an example but beyond that you know, I don't really have uh, friends that I feel that I can be honest with and why is that because that means I don't have those godly relationships I don't have those relationships of trust and again uh, it's a very uncomfortable realization to say I'm here talking about this but yeah I look at my own life and I'm not there yet you know but I think that's a Again, maybe some of you have people that you trust and that you can feel you can have that honesty, and I'll say, that is awesome. I encourage you to move forward, but that's an area that I'm still working on. Because I, I don't like being the one that has to bring up uncomfortable things. Right? I, I mean, I can do it at work, where it's my client, or maybe it's my... Well, I'm not that good with my boss, but... But <laughs> it's my clients or other other people that I I don't know that well. But when it comes to people that are close to me, you know, I don't want to be that guy that's going to be like, hey, um, you know, I, I need to bring this up. <clears throat> but if you don't have that, you are not in authentic community. So that's the, the realization that I have. And we, as we see between David and Jonathan, if you have a godly friendship, then 100% honesty isn't something to be afraid of, right? It's something that's not going to bring death to a relationship, but instead it brings life. It builds up. It doesn't tear down. And so that, I think, is the big takeaway from the story of David and Jonathan is that we don't have to fear being honest if we're in a godly relationship. And so the last step in our journey, or the last step that I'm presenting today on our journey to authentic community is about being available. Be available. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in a time of need. Now, being available is something that you can 
um, be at any stage of a friendship. And in David and Jonathan's story, after David you know, honestly shares with Jonathan what his situation is, Jonathan reacts and says, tell me what to do and I will do it. Right? So he's completely available to David. Now when you see how much is that um, David is asking Jonathan to do, so they actually end up hatching this elaborate plan to find out you know, what, what David should do. So there's a new moon feast uh, that's going to be coming up. David said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go. I'm supposed to go because everybody's supposed to go to this. I'm supposed to have dinner with the king, but I'm not going to go. And then he tells Jonathan, if your dad asks, hey, where's David? Then you tell him that, oh yeah, David petitioned me and I excused him. Now, if Saul doesn't get mad, then everything's good. Then I, yeah, maybe I misunderstood you know, his throwing the spear at me and maybe he doesn't really want to kill me. But if he gets mad, then that means what I'm telling you is the truth. You know, your dad still wants to kill me because he wants to be there so that he can kill me at this new moon feast. And then at that point, then you come back and you let me know. Right? And so, <clears throat> again, he... Jonathan has to go in and verify all of the things that David just told them about his dad. Did his dad really hide this from him? Did his dad really um, break his oath? And so this is, again, tough, but Jonathan, being David's friend, is available for him. <clears throat> and so what happens is, <clears throat> it, sure enough, it plays out as David um, says. The first night, Saul's just like, oh, all right, David's not there, I'm not going to say anything. Second night, Saul's like, hey, Jonathan, you know, where, where is David? And then um, Jonathan said, oh, yeah, David petitioned me. I excused him. And then Saul goes into this rage. And he, like, accuses Jonathan of being all kinds of things. And so then Jonathan knows right there, oh, you know, my friend was telling the truth. Yeah, my dad still does want to kill him. <clears throat> and so in David's time of need, Jonathan was available. So he, he goes back, tells David, yeah, you're right. And then, you know, they have a moment where, you know, they say, okay, David, you're off on the run. Jonathan says, okay. But again, the way that that was handled, as we see uh, again through Samuel, that relationship with Saul is still maintained. But Jonathan didn't go back to his dad and go, dad, I heard you want to kill David. You know, I, I thought you promised me that you wouldn't. And that could have destroyed that relationship, right? But in the wisdom, even though it seems elaborate, it seems like a kind of a really interesting scheme, that really preserved that relationship. So Jonathan was able to still keep his relationship with his dad, still keep his relationship with David. And then down the line, you see that the houses of David and Jonathan still had that friendship as David looked after Jonathan's son after he passed away. <coughs> and so one way when we think about our friends, and I don't. I hope none of you are in a situation like David and Jonathan. But what you might want to do is like apply the the 2 a.m. test, right? Is there anybody that you feel comfortable with? If you needed help at two o'clock in the morning, picking up the phone and calling them, saying, "Hey, I need help." Or which of your friends, if you are roll over in bed and you see it on your phone, it's two o'clock in the morning. Are you going to actually answer that versus go silent and put it back? I'll get it in the morning. They can leave a voice message. <coughs> And for example, for me, I think it's easier to be available. And I think back, I have 
other, I have examples of when I've been available to you know, my close friends. But really, someone uh, very recently said, you know, it, the reason why it's easier to give than to receive is because when you give, you're the one that's in control. Right? You're in control of the situation. You're in control of you know, what your, their, your time, how much you want to give, you know, to the extent that you want to give. But when you receive, then you're not in control of the situation. When you receive, or especially when you need to call out for help, you're vulnerable. Right? And so that is a much more difficult situation to be in than to be available for someone, but to then ask someone you know, to be available for you. And so, <clears throat> uh, when I think about, again, who would I call at 2 a.m., it's going to be, you know, one of my family members, probably be my mom or maybe my in-laws. Why? Not because I feel like I have a super close relationship with them. It's because I feel like it's okay to inconvenience them at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but <clears throat> that's not the point. What we're talking about is developing that authentic community and so what I would encourage you to do is, you know, swallow your pride and ask people for help. Ask them to be available uh, for you. And I think when, uh, when you really look at that, a lot, it's gonna, you're going to find out that it's a lot harder to be in that situation asking for that help, especially when you know it's going to inconvenience that person, than giving it. But I don't know, if you've been in a situation where you've been asked to help and you've reached out and you've you know, been able to you know, help somebody out in a pinch, you know that it's a blessing to be of service, right? It's a blessing to be there for your, your friend. And, uh, you know, it's not like a burden. It's not an inconvenience, especially if they need help. You know, it turns out that you really feel that, you know, you're blessed that you're in a situation that you can help them out. So why wouldn't you want your friends to be able to experience that same blessing of helping you? Right? Different way of thinking that. So I would say, yes, be available, but also be, let others to be available for you. Okay, so what can we do right now? We talked about, again, these four steps are steps along a journey. So this is a, a long-term picture of what it's going to take to get to authentic community. But what can you do right now? Now, truthfully, authentic community, despite what you, you may think or want, it's not going to happen with a huge group of people, right? So I re it's, just, it's just not, right? This, this whole group of people here, we're not going to have authentic community with one another. Like every, every, every one of us. So an easy way of practicing to be, being aware, being intentional, being honest, is to start or to join a small group. And we have small groups here. Um, there's going to be opportunities that are coming coming up. If you feel that God is prompting you that you want to start a small group, see Casey Kozuma, Casey, wave your hand, or see Pastor Sunny. I don't know where Pastor Sunny is, because they're overseeing our small group ministries. So you have opportunities there to practice what we talked about, the journey to authentic community. But truthfully, even in a small group. You know, you're not going to necessarily experience authentic community with all of your group members. Uh, we had a discussion recently looking at Jesus, right? He has 12 disciples. So that's kind of the model for the, or the idea about discipleship in small groups. He had 12, he picked the 12, he didn't. And he ministered to, you know, many, but he really had 12 that he focused in on. 
Well, you look at those 12, and there's three, John, Peter, and James, which Jesus actually had an even closer relationship. So even amongst Jesus' disciples, he had a group of friends that he really you know, delved deeper in and really had a closer relationship with. And so I think that's what you're going to start seeing. You want the opportunity to meet you know, godly people in a small group, and that's kind of going to give you the opportunity to practice, and then maybe there's going to be one or two people in those small groups that you can you know, connect with and delve deeper and develop that uh, godly friendship. And so one of the other interesting things is just recently, 2016, uh, the MIT Technology Review, they published an article titled, Your Brain Limits You to Just Five BFFs. <laughs> and so it's kind of, uh, <laughs> why that's interesting is there is an anthropologist that said, okay, by their, their premises, your, the human brain can only handle so many friends. And they said it's 150. And then they proposed that there's other smaller groups, you know, really close circle, then next circle, next circle. And then 2016, they were able to kind of prove that to say, yeah, really, you know, that's based on the size of the human brain. That's really your limit is about five people that you can really consider close friends. And so really, again, interesting, it ties into this idea of who are you going to develop authentic community with? You know, does it mean that you only need to love five people? No, no, that's not what it means. But it means that God designed our brains with a limit so that we have an idea of who we should be developing an authentic community with. Yes, you love everybody else that you are friends with, but you really are going to develop that authentic community with those four or five people. And so David and Jonathan's friendship is the standard of a godly relationship. Um, but, you know, can you have that with everybody? No. But can you have that with four or five people in your life? Absolutely. Right? And so that's the thing that I think we can make a move on, you know, right where you're at. To say, yeah, I need to practice this. I need to start looking for those opportunities and start intentionally reaching out and saying, this is what God's commanding me to do. Where can I... I um, invest my time and to develop these relationships. And so in the end, uh, I wanted to encourage you and I'm encouraging myself to strive toward authentic community by being aware, being intentional, being honest, and being available. And um, so, yeah, please um, pray on this and see what God is speaking to you. So I don't want you to just walk out and say, wow, that was a good message. Or, I mean, I hope you're saying at least that's a good message. <laughs> But I, I do want this to be something that you can that you think about and you chew on and you know spend some time, you know, seeing what God is as asking you to do as far as taking that next next step. And so, um, why don't we uh, bow our heads and pray? All right, dear Heavenly Father, uh, yeah, this has definitely been a tough message for me. All right, um, thank you for again revealing your truth in the situation. And um, also for revealing, again, the importance of uh, wanting to develop godly friendships and develop authentic community, Lord. And um, yeah, that your command is to love one another. And it is the type of love and kind of a friendship where we would be willing to die for our friends, Lord. And so we just ask, as we go about our week, that you would um, just, again, let us, let us meditate on your scripture and meditate what it means to be aware and meditate what it means to be intentional and meditate on 
what it means to be 100% honest and about being available and allowing others to be available for us, Lord. And so we just ask that thank you so much that you give us this opportunity uh, to uh, continue growing in you. And we just ask that you would um, yeah, just provide those opportunities and orchestrate those situations in our lives that we will be introduced to those um, godly friendships that you want. Yes, all this in Jesus' name. Amen.